and welcome to Hello Human, a podcast to explore ideas and feature humans working in AI and technology. Doug Henshin, Vice President and Principal Analyst at Constellation Research, joins us today on the Hello Human podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in artificial intelligence and how it's being applied in the real world. I'm John Nisley, the host of Hello Human and a longtime technologist working at the intersection of business and emerging IT applications across both customer experience and operational excellence. A big thanks to Fortress IQ for sponsoring the program, and be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. On this episode, we're going to explore how next-generation platforms are rebooting data-to-decision initiatives for leading organizations. Almost every strategic initiative today relies on data, and often data at scale, as well as technology optimization to meet the target objectives and get companies to their desired future state. So welcome to the program, Doug. I'm excited to hear the analyst viewpoint today. You know, much of Constellation's work focuses on how business models can be transformed by disruptive technology. I think I first heard about the firm a few years back with the publication of the the now annual BT150, you know, which is that list of, you know, 150 or so global executives really leading innovative business efforts in their organizations. You know, maybe you can start, Doug, by providing a quick introduction to the firm and your research focus, as well as some comments on the trends you're seeing in the current environment. You know, while it's obviously not a, a technology-driven disruption, certainly, you know, the pandemic has, you know, disrupted business and the impact, I think, is, is at this point pretty clear that it will be felt long-term. Well, yes, John, and technology can help you weather this storm and, and deal with change in other contexts. Great to be with you. To tell you a little bit about Constellation Research, we're a 10-year-old tech analyst firm, so same category as a, a gardener or forester, but we're really a boutique specialist tech analyst firm. We totally focus on what pioneers and innovators are doing, how they're embracing technology to really change the way they do business, really uh, dramatically differentiate themselves, you know, move that needle and differentiate themselves. And, you know, pioneers and innovators, it's only like 5% of companies out there that can, that can be in that leadership category. But we spend all our time with these leaders. We do a lot of case studies. We do a lot of different types of research around this sort of innovation. And then we try to share it with fast followers. And these are the companies that don't want to get left behind. It's maybe 20 to 25% of companies, but they aren't necessarily the leaders. They don't want to hit the same landmines and roadblocks that these pioneers and innovators overcome. So that's the idea is to, you know, share the share the <laughs> insights and knowledge from those leaders and innovators. What we don't do is kind of rubber stamp the 20-year-old buying decisions for you know, cautious adopters and laggards. I myself have been at Constellation a little over five years. My research domain is called Data to Decisions, which actually is very broad. It covers a lot of things, ingest, transform data, integrate, the platforms that we see today, uh, the use of data in BI and analytics and data scientists in data science. But it's not about any one of those silos. It's about that sort of end-to-end process of taking data and using it to drive decisions, using it to drive actions. And, you know, in, in this pandemic environment, we've seen that the companies that can do that have huge advantages. Our founder, Ray Wong, wrote a book about digital transformation about five years ago, and now it's kind of the topic du jour. Uh, we think that in the last, and we often hear that in the last six months, companies have 
done more digital transformation than they did in the past six years. It's all about, you know, getting more agile, getting more data driven. You know, it's put the kind of the, the move into the cloud on on steroids. So, you know, the companies that are ahead of the curve are in a good position. I appreciate that focus on emerging technologies as one who's been involved in a lot of first-in-class technologies through a bunch of different cycles. It can be a challenge, but you know, seeing the the impact that they can have in organizations, both you know, sort of the established players as well as the emerging ones, is just massive. So it's great to hear. And and again, welcome to the program. You know, Peter Drucker taught us back in the 50s that what gets measured gets improved. And you know, I tend to argue that that was really the start of this journey towards building a more data-driven business culture. You know, two generations later, we're now, you know, awash in data and have a lot of great tools to manage it. You know, I think one of the the major challenges that we're seeing is, you know, companies trying to make, you know, all this data actionable. You know, what do you see the the role of process process orchestration in in helping companies manage all this new information that they have? Well, when I hear that term process orchestration, I think of, you know, connected end-to-end processes. I think the big drive has been to to create a transformational customer experience. Uh, to do that, you need to underpin it with, you know, back office and, and, and processes behind the scenes that aren't necessarily customer facing, but that have everything to do with delivering a transformational customer experience. As for that term, process orchestration, you know, back in 2000 to 2004, I was editor of a magazine. Uh, I started as a tech journalist, uh, you know, 25 years ago. And, you know, business process management was the thing we talked about. And, you know, I think the terms have evolved. Today, Constellation sees a convergence ahead. You know, I think it's we're going to see integration and microservices and API management and orchestration workflow, uh, robotic process automation, and AI in this mix of what we're kind of thinking of as intelligent orchestration. That's maturing. It's not a a clearly defined category today, Um, but I think what is clear is that companies can't paper over gaps in processes with email and spreadsheets and phone calls and even, you know, paper-based approaches that some companies still use. We're going to need a combination of humans and machines, but across those processes, you need measurability to drive continuous improvement. That's really what's important. So with this intelligent orchestration, you know, ultimately, do you see technology stacks getting bigger? Is there going to be consolidation? Are some companies in, in the you know, same way as we saw with, with marketing technology? Is it going to be a, a battle between you know, best of breed versus sort of the all-in-one solution? I think we're going to see platforms on which people will start to build very, you know, custom applications. They're going to, instead of these standardized enterprise applications, they're going to build more and more. And, you know, there's just tons and tons of last mile applications that companies need to build that haven't been there. You know, there's just too unique to the organization to have a commercial software vendor provide that application. So companies are going to be using this mix of technologies to build their own applications and experiences on top of what I'd I'd call intelligent orchestration platforms. Cool. You know, one topic that I keep seeing and and hearing more about is this this idea of closed loop analytics. You know, how does that shift aid companies and and what do you see as some of the, the major challenges in achieving it? Well, when I think of closed loop, I think of learning. 
Uh, I think of cognitive systems. And let's put that in context. I mean, people have been talking about AI. I think the real shift in the market in recent years was 2011. It's almost 10 years ago now that Watson beat the human champions of Jeopardy. You know, that was kind of a watershed moment when AI came back into fashion. And back then, I mean, the talk was of curing cancer, uh, let alone driving better decisions. <laughs> but it was turned out to be a, much harder than we thought, much more challenging than the hype uh, was kind of envisioning nine, 10 years ago. And it's hard for a couple of reasons. You know, we find that you have to close the loop at multiple levels. It's not just closing the loop on data. It's closing the loop on the metadata. You know, what's the context behind that data? It's closing the loop on the graph of human and machine interactions with systems. And some of the challenges, uh, challenge A1 is, has been this longstanding separation of analytics, whether it's you know BI or more advanced data science, separation of that from the, the transactional environment and the processes. Uh, we've had this swivel chair integration, you know, where you, uh, you're in one system and then you go off and you look at the report or you go off and look at a dashboard to, to help make your decision. And, and of course, that's open to inconsistent human interpretation. Uh, and that is tied to this second challenge of, of having the context. Uh, it's not just about the data. You really have to know something about it. It's the metadata around that data. You know, who is this customer and what is their history and what is the stage of the process they're in? And when did we talk to them last? And do they have a, a service issue that's unresolved? Uh, are they near the end of their contract? That's, you know, it's not just data. It's the context around the data. And that's one reason I've, I've been doing a lot of research and been advocating uh, embedded approaches that you know, sort of next generation applications that you bring the, the data and the context right into the context of the application. So you have you know, both a human understanding, a machine understanding, and you can drive better actions, whether those actions are carried out and executed by a machine or by a human. So, you know, much like consulting as an analyst, you see lots of different companies across lots of different industries. Can you share any real world stories with us? You know, examples of, you know, high performing companies that, that are more mature in their data to insights journey, you know, and really starting to drive value from leveraging their data platforms? Well, I'll use an example that's often cited by our founder, Ray Wong. He cited it in his book. You know, if you start talking about the hottest stocks of the last 10 years, 2010 to 2020, you know, everybody would probably immediately think of, you know, the fang companies, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google, et cetera. These, you know, born in, in the internet age companies. And you'd be right. Number one, uh, if you look at Motley Fool, number one in the, over that last decade was, was Netflix. But number two is a brick and mortar company you might not think of. And that's Domino's Pizza. <laughs> and if you really look closely at what they've done, they're absolutely a pioneer and an innovator. You know, if you go through their website or their phone app, a customer can track the order. They can see the status of the pizza that they ordered, who's making it, when it's out of the oven, when it's in the delivery vehicle, who's dropping it off and when it will arrive. That is process awareness. And Domino's obviously use this internally for optimization and improvement. Uh, they use it for a, a great customer experience. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about the 
the delivery and visibility standpoint. I'm not necessarily a fan of their pizza, but you know, they continue to work on this, continue to work on making it easier and easier to interact with the company and to get dinner. Uh, they did it with a, a web site. They did it with an app. They added a smart watch. They added a smart speaker. I mean, they do everything they can and they keep working at it. It's totally data-driven. They're process aware. They're continuously improving, improving. And in this pandemic environment, they've only been growing. I, I truly appreciate the Domino's reference. I'm a big fan of the app, and my daughter, I think, might fight you over the the quality of the pizza question. She is a she's a major fan of it. Um, but no, I think uh, I'm I think in the New York to, area. I'm used to, to, to New York pizza. So my my you, frame you, of reference you, is a little different than most people. <laughs> but I, I I totally get it. You know, the, I think they they see themselves as a technology company that does pizza. You know, along the same lines as, as you know, you often hear Capital One, you know, they're, they're a technology company that does banking. So great, great example there. Uh, another example, I'll, I'll tout them. I'm not a stock owner. <laughs> I don't have to uh, disclaim this, uh, but my own experience, you know, the, uh, in the pandemic, I wanted to take advantage of these historically low interest rates. I called my well-known large bank that holds a great majority of uh, mortgages these days. I called them figuring they know me. I'm their customer already. They should be able to provide better service. I was on hold for an hour. I used the bot and left messages. I, I didn't hear back for a week. Uh, interacted with Rocket Mortgage, had uh, lock-in the same day, had a great seamless experience where you know four weeks later or five weeks later i think somebody uh their their agent was in our driveway with mask with a ipad and you know they wiped it off and almost every document we needed to sign i just took that ipad back into our home while they stayed in the driveway my wife and i could digitally sign almost every document the only documents that still required wet signatures were those that were required by the state. It was a tremendous uh, customer experience. Uh, I've since had very proactive communications. You know, this is when your first uh, mortgage payment is going to be due. This is, you know, what portion went to tax and what portion went to the principal, et cetera. Great customer experience. And again, I'm, I'm not a stockholder or anything. Just a, another example of a company that has a great digital experience. Yeah, and, and why why we're on that topic, you know that that reference made me think about the other one, you know, sort of sort of in that space a little bit, you know, at least at least on the financial space, but uh, you know the lemonade insurance, you know the the ability for them to process, you know, a claim for a minor loss, you know, in literally seconds. I think it's it's down to like ten seconds now, and you know, money appearing in people's accounts, you know, the next day. Uh, just incredible stories you hear about you know, ease of use and entirely frictionless experience, you know, it has obviously had an impact on some of those, you know, larger, more established organizations. Yeah. And the insurance industry has also raised the bar on having your insurance policy be based on usage. You know, the, uh, the snapshot type uh, thing, uh, don't mess with my discount. Now, every company seems to have a way to capture your actual driving data and charge you your your premium based on your your actual driving. Very cool. So, you know, turning to this, you mentioned it briefly before this this convergence of humans and technology. You know, we hear a lot about the front office applications. You know, your work on the on sort of the the more data analytics side, more operational back office areas. You know, specifically analytics. You know, what's your 
prognosis trends around, you know, this issue of human agent teaming and, and partnership? Well, companies and the C-suite are increasingly going to have four choices. When do we trust intelligent machine automation? When do we augment the machine with the human? When is it still primarily a human process, but we can assist them with recommendations and suggested actions? And when do we leave it in the hands of, of human judgment, either because you know creativity or a lot of intuition or interpretation is needed where there's complexity, where there's risk, et cetera. So today we've already seen plenty of examples of, of, of bots, simple bots to more sophisticated digital workers for specific roles and in industries, you know, everything from, you know, t time off request approval, password resets, more complex things where you have a voice text interaction or nuanced uh, uh, interpretation of, of human intent and more complex workflows like uh, initial screening of, of customer support calls, not with a ABC wrote a menu, but an actual natural language conversation in which the machine can actually discern intent and probably handle the 80% of the calls and then route the other you know, 10 to 20% to the human. But what we're seeing now is that I think the progress is happening. It's really starting to gel in the kind of the Uber management of the total team environment, uh, over, overseeing the total process with both agents, digital agents and humans. Uh, so it's not just, you know, these a bunch of disconnected silos of automation, these these bots, uh, you need you need a, a, a kind of an overarching sense of what's happening in the total process. So you need to monitor and load balance across the humans and the digital agents in the process. Uh, you need to be able to measure and optimize and sense when needs are changing. And then you can change processes accordingly and, and retrain both the humans and these digital agents that sometimes you might have to take the agent offline and switch in the, the, the human because something is, is happening dynamically in the business environment. So, you know, that's what we see ahead. And I think the progress is now happening where it's, it's an overall monitoring of the process, not just, you know, adding more and more bots to have silos of automation. I love that comment on augmentation and the recognition that that some processes should and remain a human-based process. I think too often we see, oh, let's throw more technology at it and it's all got to be technology. But, you know, depending on the experience you're trying to deliver, sometimes it does require you know, that human interaction, that human contact that people desire. So I think that's a great point to end on. To recap today's conversation with Doug Henschen, the Vice President and Principal Analyst at Constellation Research, certainly one of the, the leading research and advisory firms looking at the impact of uh, disruptive technologies on business models. With the, the ongoing return to business, leading organizations continue to, to pursue digital transformation and innovation goals, even as they seek efficiencies and optimizations. These initiatives really depend on data and often data at scale, as well as technology optimization to meet those target objectives and achieve the target future state. The next generation platforms that are emerging are really reshaping the data to decision journey for many organizations. So thank you, Doug, for joining me today. I want to give you an opportunity to make any closing comments or provide any any final thoughts you may have. But you know, I also have one final question for you. 
I'm a bit of a uh, information junkie, let's say, and, uh, you know, always looking for the latest and, and greatest resources out there. So my question to you is, you know, what resource, you know, as an analyst, you know, website, newsletter, podcast, you know, anything at all, do you really rely on to be successful and, and, and knowledgeable in your role? Well, I would caution any technologist not to get too carried away from the need for the technology. So I think my go-to every morning is a thorough read of the business section and, you know, the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, whatever is something hopefully uh, <laughs> a little, little deeper than, you know, a lot of small town papers in terms of depth of what's happening in business. You need that context and grounding of what's happening in the economy, what are the business trends, what are the business needs. You can really, just reading the headlines day to day, see what companies are are standing out and how they're differentiating themselves. Um, in terms of technology, I would tout two sites that I spent a lot of time on. Uh, datanami.com is great for news and analysis of all things analytics and data science. Some great reporters there like Alex Woody and George Leopold. And for deeper, more scholarly take on data science and what's happening in, in data science and analytics, Katie Nuggets is, uh, is a great site. Uh, case studies, in-depth how-to opinion, um, really uh, rich uh, resource on what's happening in data science. That's, that's great advice, and uh, we'll make sure to put all those resources in the show notes. For reference, I'll give you my resource this episode that I can't miss, and, and I'm going to stay close to home for you, Doug, and that would be Disrupt TV. You know, it's the, the weekly web series hosted by your colleague that you mentioned, Ray Wong, and Vala Afshar, you know, from Salesforce. And there's, there's always a nugget that I find in, in every show uh, that I yes. can use, use for my for the work. Thanks so. great weekly resource. <laughs> It is a great weekly resource. Indeed. I think that's a wrap on today's show. Thank you, Doug, for joining me and uh, Fortress IQ for their sponsorship. I'm John Nisley, and this has been Hello Human. If you enjoyed this session, subscribe and check out our series at fortressiq.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for joining us today on Hello Human.